1: Are you intrigued with the supernatural secrets of end times? Did you know that End Times Unconcealed is the book of Revelation revealed? I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today, beloved saints, I want to take you into the Word of God on a journey 2,000 years ago as you and I see how the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in 1947 after thousands of years being hidden in the caves of Qumran, Israel, reveal the book of Revelation to us. Don't miss today's program. You are going to go into another level with the presence of God as you hear his word today. Beloved Saints, Throughout the years, the book of Revelation has been one of the most difficult but yet provocative books to interpret. We've had many forms of interpretation throughout the years, dispensationalism, and so much that we learn from the prophecies that are in the book of Revelation. Many biblical scholars, men and women alike, have worked for years on the secrets hidden in the book of Revelation. But if you will allow me today to give you some secrets on how to interpret hermeneutically, and also we will do an excavation. We will do an archeological dig into the past that will reveal the secrets that help us Understand messianic mysteries in the book of Revelation. Let's begin and let's study the book of Revelation and how it affects your life and my life as we go deep into the Word of God. Let's begin in Revelation chapter 21 as we look at verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, beloved saints, the Bible also tells us in verse 11 having the glory of God. First of all, Obviously, we've heard this scripture so many times. I, John, saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And then verse 11, having the glory of God. And then John begins to describe the new Jerusalem. Beloved saints, first of all, I want to explain to you some mysteries in the word of God. Then we are going to go to the Hebraisms that we see in the book of Revelation, then we're going to go to the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we are going to actually see that one of the scrolls in cave number 4, Q176, is the New Jerusalem Scroll. Now you may say, the New Jerusalem Scroll? What possible spiritual significance does the New Jerusalem scroll have to do with the book of Revelation? Especially, beloved saints, since it was written approximately 150 years before Christ. I want you to understand something, beloved saints. The the actual overall mentality in the culture in the first century was broken up into three groups. Josephus, the historian... Uh, Flavius Josephus the historian from the Roman Empire writes for us and I'll quote him there were three philosophies one philosophy was the Pharisees the second philosophy was the Sadducees and the third philosophy was the Essenes now beloved saints we also know there were zealots what do these philosophies mean that Josephus told us about First of all, we need to understand that these philosophies actually are sects or groups. So we must understand in Jewish Palestine, in first century Jewish Palestine, in the second temple era, there were basically four major groups with various different opinions about the Torah and about the interpretation of the times one of the groups was the rabbinic group which is the pharisees the second group which is the priestly group however the sadducees were not just priests the sadducees were the descendants of the hasmoneans now i want you to understand the spiritual significance of the hasmoneans because the hasmoneans we meet in the time of the maccabean revolt And in the beginning, the Hasmonean family, the family of the Maccabees, Matatiyahu, and all of his sons were so filled with the zeal of God. They were righteous priests, And they began the Maccabean revolt against the Seleucid Greeks that said there is no way they are going to Hellenize the Holy Land. They are not taking away our faith. They are not taking away our Torah scrolls. They are not going to make us apostatize. They are not going to make us deny the God of Israel. We are fighting back. Now, I want you to know the Maccabean revolt was basically very courageous, brave Jews that loved their faith, that refused to apostatize and become Hellenistic and embrace the Hellenistic culture and embrace the Hellenistic gods. They refused it under the penalty of death. And they said, God is going to be with us. We are going to take on the greatest empire of the world. We're going to take on those Seleucid Greeks. And God blessed them their resistance was so powerful because of their bravery and because they chose to defend the uh, the works of God and the faith that had been given to them from Moses. I want you to understand, there was a tremendous supernatural victory. They took back the temple, they rededicated it, they cleansed it, the idols were broken, Zeus came out of the holy place and God miraculously multiplied the oil and you and I know the menorah became the symbol of Maccabean victory. We are not bowing to your gods. We are not going to apostatize. The culture cannot control us. We are God's servants. Now, beloved saints, I want to explain to you. From the the Maccabees and from this Hasmonean family, later, after the leaders of the Hasmoneans uh, were gone, the priesthood became utterly corrupt. And the leaders of the priesthood, called the Sadducees, began to become political puppets for the governments and for the empires that took over the Holy Land, first by the Seleucid Greeks, and then later the Romans. And so there was a group, a group of men who were priests, who were sons of Zadok, that said, We cannot participate in temple corruption. We will not allow God's sacrifices to be corrupt by the corruption of the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the divine origins of the Torah. They did not believe in reward and punishment or the afterlife they did not believe in the concept of the messiah they didn't believe in angels they did not believe in anything supernatural and so the wonderful priests that were all together sons of zadok said we are absolutely leaving this place it's utterly corrupt and we are moving to the deserts and so we have the beginning of sectarianism among the Jews, which was the Essenes." Now, beloved saints, these Essenes wanted to serve God so desperately that instead of sacrificing in the temple because it was utterly corrupt, they made their own community rules, and they lived very austere lives, and they lived those lives in the deserts of Qumran, studying Torah uh, 24-7, and becoming immersed in the Word of God and gave their lives as sacrifices. And as a result, many scholars believe, and the archaeological evidence certainly displays within the Dead Sea Scrolls, that they are the authors of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, beloved saints, why is that so spiritually significant? And what in the world does that have to do with the Book of Revelation? It has everything to do with the book of Revelation because the Essenes believed that they were also prophets and beloved saints prophecy came to them. Some of their prophecy is very difficult to understand unless we can excavate the culture and understand certain euphemistic phrases that were used within the context of the fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and through biblical analysis and understanding. First of all, the rabbinic world at the time, these were not rabbis, these are priests. And the world of the rabbis is not the world of the priests. But we must understand, beloved saints, that these uh, particular uh, priests uh, were very Torah-centric. And so it was very important that we are able to understand some of the language that they actually adopted from rabbinic language, even though there's no sign of the, at all of the Dead Sea Scrolls being rabbinic in any method or form. But what we do see is that in the world of the rabbis, we have a euphemistic phrases for the names of God and we know even today the name of god is so holy that many jews will never pronounce his name this is why the name hashem is spoken because never does a a jew a reverent observant jew want to take the name of god in vain and so in order not to commit blasphemy in any way or to take God's name in vain, euphemistic phrases, especially in the first century, were used to replace the name of God. So one of the ways we can find euphemistic phrases in the Dead Sea Scrolls are used for names of God. And uh, also we need to see that in these Dead Sea Scrolls, we see that there is a community that is extremely prophetic and that one of their great, great um, focuses in their prophecy was apocalypse. And you and I, when we study the fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls, especially those that are focused toward apocalypse, we can begin to compare it with the book of Revelation and it brings tremendous Insight. Insight that is both archaeological and it is both cultural and it is immersed in the Jewish people of the first century in terms of our understanding. So therefore, when we apply biblical exegesis and use the hermeneutical rules of interpretation in the book of Revelation, we can begin to extract the personal, powerful, prophetic meanings of these scriptures. Let's look at some of them. And the Bible says, And I looked, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having the Father's name written on their foreheads. Now, beloved saints, we've heard this one hundred and forty-four thousand used in so many ways, even... Um, certain cults have used this term, 144,000, completely out of context. But let's go back to the first century, first century Jewish Palestine, and let us look, beloved saints, at some of the symbols uh, so that we might be able to accurately interpret by comparing the symbols that are known in the, the Jewish people of the first century and compare it with the book of Revelation. First of all, beloved saints, the concept of apocalypse was definitely a concept along with apocalypse and messianic expectation in the first century. To deny that apocalypse was not part of the culture or that it's a new thing in Judaism, definitely it was new. And it just began a few centuries before the first century. But in terms of overall, the overall concept in the Torah, in the Hebrew scriptures, we do not get the context of apocalypse. The only apocalyptic book in the Bible that is purely apocalyptic is Daniel. We also see, beloved saints, that there are phrases throughout the text. We see Joel gives us some apocalypse. He gives us in Joel chapter 2, verse 1, the day of the Lord that is coming. It is a day of darkness, a day of gloominess. And Joel gives us some apocalyptic features, uh, including the signs that are going to come in the time of apocalypse. What are those signs? Those signs are found in Joel chapter 2, verse 31. The Bible says, And I will show in verse 30 wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, pillars of smoke, and the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall turn to blood. And the Bible is telling us that the sun being darkened and the moon turned to blood will happen before the very great and terrible day of the Lord. So Joel, in a sense, is briefly what we might say apocalyptic in a very small, minute manner. But we see Daniel, the first book that reveals apocalypse to the Jews. But I want you to understand, beloved saints, that during the Second Temple era, this becomes an era that that is immersed in apocalypse. And the question arises, why? The question arises is not only from the Essene community, but also in other peripheral groups we see that the Roman scourge that is moved into the Holy Land that is so carefully and is so that is so um, observed in a careful manner, remembering what the Seleucid Greeks did to the land of Israel, remembering that Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth was not just on a campaign to conquer the land of Israel; he was on a campaign to completely obliterate Judaism. That means he outlawed Torah, he outlawed. Synagogues, he outlied the worship of the God of Israel. He forced under his prohibitions every Jew who owned an animal to carve in the horns of their animal, in their beast, in their ox, in their a cow, to use a carving tool and to carve, I have no portion in the God of Israel here we see the beginnings in literal statements and literal actions in the culture that are very familiar to the book of revelation we've heard of the mark of the beast we have all kinds of revelations about the mark of the beast and this is definitely a concern but historically speaking and uh, in a sense of cultural excavation of the Jewish people in the first century and to understand its real background, we need to look at the way that uh, the Jews were persecuted by Antiochus under the penalty of death that they refused, many of them, to carve in the horns of their beast called the mark of the beast. I have no portion in the God of Israel. They chose death instead. Now, beloved saints, with that victory in the Maccabean revolt, knowing that the menorah is the sign of victory, we also have apocalypse arising in the book of Revelation. We have the church and the symbol of the church, one like the Son of Man standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. What is that mystery, and what does it reveal? Standing in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, beloved, means that the menorah, which is the seven golden candlesticks, not candlesticks on your table, no, not dinner candlesticks, but the King James Version, is very articulate to show us in Exodus chapter 25 when God gave Moses the divine design of the menorah. He said it had to be out of beaten gold because it had to look like a tree. This is why the words uh, in Exodus are called branches. It had to look like a tree and it had to be pounded with pure gold. It couldn't be melted gold. It had to be pounded gold because everything reveals Mashiach. Everything reveals the Messiah. Everything in the tabernacle brings and reveals Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, beloved saints, the reason I bring that up is also we see one like the Son of Man. That term, Son of Man, we see used in the Gospels But in an apocalyptic sense, we see the term son of man is taken from the book of Daniel. It is taken from the seventh chapter. It is an apocalyptic term that John took out of the book of Daniel and transported it. And the Bible says, one like the son of man walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So what's the significance? The menorah is the sign of victory. The menorah is the sign we're not going to defect from our faith. The menorah is the sign we'd rather die than give in to the culture. We are not going to concede to the culture. So you see, in terms of a apocalypse we have this beautiful symbol of the menorah not only used in the book of revelation but also in its in its maccabean a symbolism representing those who refused to apostatize, those who refused to blaspheme, those who refused to um, disannul the Word of God or tamper with it or change it or in any way defile God's Word. Are you with me, saints? Are you following me? All right, now we're going to go to this 144,000. The Bible says that these 144,000 were on Mount Zion and they had written on their forehead the name of God. Let us go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, so we can see this just a little deeper. Jesus says to the church at Philadelphia, Behold, he who overcomes, will I make a pillar in the house of my God, And the Bible says, and I will write upon him the name of my father. And I will write upon him the name of the new Jerusalem, the city of my God coming down from heaven. And I will write upon him my new name. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand, Jesus said he's going to write, his father's name upon us. He's going to also mark us with the name of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. And he's also going to mark us with the father's, with his new name. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand a secret. The name Zion has many meanings. Zion means people of God. Zion means city of God. Zion means Jerusalem. Zion means those that are patriots for the land of Israel. There are so many meanings of Zion. But one of the most important biblical meanings of Zion is Zion literally, in the Hebrew language, means marked. Marked. It means indication or it means marked. So we who are marked with the name of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, are the bride. The bride is marked. The bride is separate. The bride has been set aside for end times. Now, beloved saints, I want you to know, the Bible tells us this 144,000, how do we reconcile these numbers? Does that only mean that 144,000 are going to be saved? God forbid. The number of the New Jerusalem is 12. Everything is in twelves. There are 12 gates, 12 angels, 12 apostles, 12 foundations. The city in a measurement is measured by reeds, 12,000 furlongs long. The measure of the wall is after the measure of a man, 144 cubits, which is 12 times 12. Beloved saints, everything is 12 why because the church is a combination of israel and the church is also a combination of the apostles i want you to understand we become recipients with israel we never replace israel israel is god's firstborn but we must understand because of yeshua we have been grafted in and we have now become recipients of the covenants and promises according to Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 13. We've become partakers of the promises of God through Christ. And the Bible says in Galatians 3:29 that if you are Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So we see 12 is the number of the bride. We see The 144,000 represent the redeemed on Mount Zion. They are marked with the Father's name on their forehead. Zion means marked. They are separated. They are consecrated. The menorah represents the victory of the Maccabees that we see that took place 175 years before Christ. And now we see the symbols of the Maccabees in the book of Revelation. Understanding that those symbols are very deliberate, they represent that the church is called to the same kind of zeal, the same kind of faithfulness, the same kind of refusal to deny God, to deny Christ, to deny the Word of God, to be faithful to the end, to fight for what God has put in His Word. That the church has been called to the same victory. Are you with me, saints? If you are, say amen. Now I promised you, I would show you what the Dead Sea Scrolls have to do with the Book of Revelation. One of the most revered scrolls in the Dead Sea Scrolls is the New Jerusalem Scroll. In the New Jerusalem Scroll, scroll, there are promises written by the Essenes to rebuild the ruins of Zion. In the New Jerusalem Scroll, there is also promises that the New Jerusalem is going to have 12 gates. Isn't it something that John wrote in the book of Revelation with similar uh, similitudes, such as was in the New Jerusalem scroll? We need to understand that the New Jerusalem scroll, beloved saints, brings us insight as to a people waiting for messianic expectation. The New Jerusalem scroll also shows us, beloved saints, a people marked, a people separated, and Zion that is rebirthed again. The New Jerusalem speaks of rebirth, that God's going to rebuild the ruins of Zion. And these are promises of consolation that are actually found in the New Jerusalem scroll taken from the book of Isaiah from chapters 40 to 51. All of the promises that God gave to ancient Jerusalem, he gave also to the New Jerusalem according to this scroll found among the Dead Sea Scroll fragments in cave number 4Q 176. Beloved saints, I want you to know that those promises are ours in this season. This is the season on the biblical calendar when many are weeping the ruins of Zion and praying when will exile end. Many are weeping for the new temple to come but i want you to know that in the time of messiah the days of mourning become days of miracles and this is the season that god wants us to seize the supernatural that all the promises that god gave to ancient zion are ours today god wants to rebuild your ruins god wants to rebuild your dream god wants you to be established in him god wants you to take back the territory god wants to drive all the demonic power out of your territory and we see this not only to the promises given to ancient jerusalem Even as God said in Isaiah 49, He gave the word in verse 17 that all the destroyers that destroyed thee shall go forth of thee. God is telling you, beloved saints, that the destroying spirits are going out of your land. And God also wants you to know that all the promises that were made, I will rebuild you. The rebuilding of the Zion's, I will bring comfort to her ruins. All of the promises of Zion being rebuilt are your promises this season because this is the season of the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh will be coming up, and the fast of the tenth, which shall be to the house of Judah, joy and gladness and cheerful feast. This is the season that God is going to take your weeping and bring supernatural reaping for all the tears that you have wept over the past few months. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the supernatural secrets of Revelation Unconcealed, Hallelujah, End Times Revealed. We'll see you soon.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com, where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church, and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED to 7797. That's HESED to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.